No one likes to feel stuck, especially by your cloud. But the IBM cloud is the most open and secure public cloud for business. It can manage all your apps and data anywhere. Smart loves problems. IBM, let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash flexible. This is The Sporting Life on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Here's Jeremy Schaap. Last year at the Winter Olympics, an astonishing thing happened when North and South Korea had one women's ice hockey team in the tournament, playing together more than nearly 70 years after the country separated from each other in a time at which they're still officially at war with each other. That remarkable union, that remarkable confluence of events is the subject of a new book by Seth Berkman, a team of their own, how an international sisterhood made Olympic history. And Seth Berkman joins us now. Seth, thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me, Jeremy. I mean, it was one of those things where, you know, you're saying to yourself, how can this possibly happen? You know, we're, you know, we're accustomed to stories about kidnappings uh, perpetrated by the North against the South, uh, you know, the Hermit Kingdom, the, um, the, the enduring enmity between North and South with just the very occasional thaws, which give, uh, usually it seems false hope. How extraordinary was this? It was very extraordinary. I remember I was actually with the team. They would have training camps in Minnesota every few months. And so they had just left their final training camp before the Olympics. This was about two, three weeks before the games were going to start. And I had just gotten home that weekend. I remember just scrolling through the New York Times just casually and seeing the note saying that it had been agreed upon that the unified team was going to happen. And I was just kind of like, wait, what? Like, how, when? And then talking with actual players on the team later on, they were in flight heading back to South Korea as the news happened. So they didn't know really until they landed back at Incheon International Airport, which is the main airport around Seoul. And so they're getting their baggage and kind of looking on their phones, waiting for baggage to come through. And they're just getting kind of the alert then saying that this is going to happen. So you can only imagine what their reactions were just kind of all of a sudden being thrown into kind of this geopolitical statement. We're speaking with Seth Berkman about his new book, A Team of Their Own, How an International Sisterhood Made Olympic History about the joint team in women's ice hockey uh, that North Korea and South Korea uh, fielded at the Winter Olympics last year in South Korea. So how did it happen? How, how, how did this uh, sports diplomacy get fashioned? It actually kind of started months before. So in the summer of 2017, South Korea named a new minister for culture, arts, and sport. And kind of just very randomly, he threw out in a press conference one day, oh, it would be nice in the upcoming Olympics if North Korea, South Korea could field a unified team, perhaps in women's ice hockey. And this made, you know, relatively big news in South Korea at the time because no one had ever really kind of thought of this. And the players, coaches hadn't heard anything. So they were really taken aback and they were really kind of angry about it just because, you know, they had been training for four plus years for kind of this moment. And then all of a sudden they're being told, wait, we might just add these kind of North Korean players to your team just a couple months before the games. Um, eventually the president of South Korea, Moon Jae-in, supported the idea. 
good people from the IOC and the IIHF, which is the International Ice Hockey Federation, also kind of backing it. So it started to build some momentum. But as kind of things happen in South Korea when it comes to North Korea relations, um, it just kind of petered out. And, you know, these flames of hope just kind of, you know, never got ignited to a point of any real meaning. And so talk died down over the summer. And a lot of the team thought, okay, it's going to just kind of Nothing's going to happen, just mm-hmm. like always with North Korea. But then New Year's Eve, uh, New Year's Day, I should say, 2018, Kim Jong-un goes on state-run North Korean television and really surprises the world because he says, I think it would be a great thing if North Korean athletes could compete in the upcoming Winter Olympics, which by that point are only about five weeks away. Mm-hmm. And so South Korean government and kind of their effort and wanting to kind of improve relations with North Korea in any kind of way, because you have to remember at this time, the months before North Korea is doing these missile launches, Kim, his kind of rhetoric with Donald Trump is at an all-time high. So tensions are definitely very high on the Korean peninsula. And when Kim Jong-un kind of offers his olive branch, the South Korean government, people around the Olympic Committee are saying, hey, let's see how we can take advantage of it. So the wheels got in motion very quickly to try and see, let's see how we can get North Korean athletes over here. And kind of the first choice was the one brought up months earlier, which is the women's hockey team. Speaking with Seth Berkman about his new book, his fascinating new book, A Team of Their Own, How an International Sisterhood Made Olympic History. The fact that this did it, in fact, happen that this team played uh at the at the Olympics of course in 2018 in South Korea with North Korean and South Koreans on the team what kind of hopes and expectations did that lead to it was very interesting because i think even the south korean government themselves weren't ready for the kind of response and um not to say this covers the whole gamut of people but it can kind of very broadly be broken up into two camps, obviously those in favor of unification and those who are kind of, I guess you could say, against it. And those those seem to tend more towards um, a very younger generation, kind of 20s, 30s South Koreans, who haven't grown up with any kind of real attachment to North Korea and just know North Korea kind of as this antagonistic neighbor, Mm. their feelings towards unification in general aren't as strong. Um, But then you do have a much older generation who grew up around the Korean War. They remember visiting North Korea, having family members from North Korea when Korea was still just one country. So this idea of unification still means very much to them. And so you did have conflicting sides and very strong arguments for both. There were protests all throughout Seoul and Korea leading up to the Olympics and at the Olympics for both sides. One of the most surreal scenes I remember seeing before the Unified Team's first Olympic game, the streets around the arena were just flooded with protesters for both sides, kind of, you know, just shouting rhetoric back and forth towards each other. And so it definitely polarized people. I do think perhaps though the government was not expecting um, as much of a backlash, though, towards kind of this idea of a unified team as happened. How did this unified team perform? Um, When it comes to actual performance on the ice, uh, the team ended up losing all of their Olympic games. So while it did make a very big kind of geopolitical statement, one thing that happened was by adding 12 North Korean players to the team two weeks before the Olympics, in a way, they 
kind of brought down the quality level of play. Mm. Um, even entering the game, South Korea was ranked about 18th in the world. So for them expected to win a game against European powers, North American powers of the sport would have been, they would have had to play kind of the perfect game. Um, I do think leading up to the Olympics, they were playing well. They played a lot of college teams in uh, NCAA Division One teams, Wisconsin, Minnesota, those teams. And they were able to give, you know, teams that win national championships a good game, you know, two goal, three goal deficits. And you think a team like Minnesota themselves could probably field an Olympic team. So South Korea showed potential that they could compete with the world's best. But once the North Korean players came in, the IOC mandated that at least three North Korean players had to dress for each game. So you had three more worthy, kind of more skilled South Korean players sitting every game. And they just, two weeks is not enough time to kind of integrate players into your systems, into your plays. And so you could definitely see it on the ice, how the quality of play dipped with the North Korean players involved. We're speaking with Seth Berkman about his new book, A Team of Their Own. And this gesture, this symbolic gesture, which seems to embody uh, what the Olympic spirit is all about, how did the IOC um, react to to this taking place? Uh, the IOC definitely was in favor of this. Um, one of the things that I thought was most interesting was when kind of the official decree came out um, in late January saying that this was definitely going to happen. You know, the IOC puts out a statement and they're thanking everybody from the South Korean government for their cooperation, the Olympic committees, the IIHF. But nowhere kind of in their big statement did they even mention the South Korean players on the team who were kind of, you know, being forced in the situation. And like you say, the IOC, the Olympics definitely have a certain goal and message they want to put out. And not to even say it's necessarily a bad thing. I do think there is something special when the Olympics do happen every two and every four years. Um, where it does bring out just a certain kind of inspiration. You do see athletes performing amazing feats that can inspire and kind of touch people in a certain way. But, you know, there also is, I think it's fair to say, a certain amount of fluff behind that message as well. And, you know, the South Korean players just felt like they were being completely used and kind of not even recognized by bodies like the IOC at this time. Mm. Here we are now, Seth. Uh, a year and a half later, more than a year and a half later, I suppose. Uh, and this was something that gave people hope and encouragement about a rapprochement uh, between the North and the South, um, even if they weren't in favor of unification. Looking back now, uh, is this a milestone? Is this uh, something that, led somewhere or might still lead somewhere or is it uh, a one-off that uh, has no consequence right now, essentially? That's a really great question. And I think there's certain levels to it. Um, I know for me personally, just when I watched the news a couple months ago, I remember staying up to like 3 a.m. and watching when Kim Jong-un and Donald Trump are meeting inside North Korea. And I don't know if it's because it's 3 a.m. in the morning or just what's going on. And your brain just kind of can't process seeing images like that. It's just completely mind boggling. Mm. Um, I know talking to the players, they've always had this kind of feeling of they don't want credit for any kind of, you know, improved relations between North Korea, South Korea, the United States. I think, though, a lot of them have reached to a point where they can kind of acknowledge 
maybe perhaps what they did, the sacrifice that they did made, did lead to, you know, improved relations. I don't think that any of them want to take credit for saying, yes, seeing Kim and Trump meet together, they were directly responsible for this. But you do see things inside Korea, for example, uh, the Koreas are talking about creating a joint bid to host the 2032 Olympics. Shortly after the 2018 Olympics, there were the Asian Summer Games, which are a huge event on the continent, and the two Koreas fielded unified teams for those events. And since then, they've continued to kind of field uh, unified teams in different sports and international sporting events. I believe in the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo, you will also probably see more unified teams of Korean athletes. So while... I don't think anyone involved around the team would ever directly say, you know, yes, you know, we've led to better relations and possible unification. You do see incremental steps in certain areas where relations definitely have improved. And I think you can directly tie back to the unified team from the 2018 Olympics. Mm. Seth Berkman's new book is A Team of Their Own, How an International Sisterhood Made Olympic History about the unified North and South Korean women's ice hockey team at the 2018 Olympics in South Korea. It's a fascinating story. It's one of those stories uh, in the annals of sport that will be talked about for a long time. Seth, thanks so much for joining us, and thanks for writing the book. Jeremy, thanks so much for your time today. I appreciate it. I'm Jeremy Schapp. And you can listen to new editions of The Sporting Life every Saturday and Sunday morning on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, beginning at 6 a.m. Eastern Time.